that was it. I had to sell all 36 units. Now, a couple other things. Remember, I talked about Larissa, who was the girlfriend back in 2008. She's a fiance. We had bought our dream house. We were living in our dream house. I, you know, I was doing well. So I had the nice cars in the garage. I had all the things and it was everything I did back then. And there's an important takeaway. So I want to talk about failure. And I think one of the main reasons why I failed is more than just making a mistake with the bank, more than just lack of knowledge. I think it was, I was doing things the wrong way, serving the wrong person. I was mm-hmm. about me. How much can I make? How big of a house can I have? What, how many Audis can I put in the garage? You know, all those things. And it was me, me, me. And I, I look back on this time and I talk about this a lot. And I think one of the reasons why I had to sell all those properties and I literally hit a, a, a new low in my life. That was the lowest point I've ever been at in my life. Me and Larissa split. So many things went bad during this period. And I think it was a cleansing. I truly do. I think I had to learn what it was like to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy. I talk about this in hindsight now. It was easy to talk about it you know, now, but then, honestly, I had bad thoughts. I was some days thinking I can't do anything right. Like, why am I here? You know, you start questioning a, a lot of things. And sure, I think I just had to learn that life isn't about things. It's about not about money. It's not about what you have. And it's about what you do to solve other people's problems. And the only person's problem I ever was really trying to solve was my own sure. selfishly. And I hate to say this, but hey, I can openly say it. And that's why I failed it. I truly blame it on that. And in 2014, that failure got so bad that it literally made me open to just about anything. And I remember that anything came in the form of a postcard. And I ended up going to this three-day real estate seminar. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. All right, three full listeners, I got another great guest on today. Um, We got Chris Naga with us, just a a little background on him, and then then we'll bring him in and let him tell tell us even more about himself. But he was raised in a lower middle class family by a single mother. Um, He knows what it takes to build something from next to nothing. Uh, His success and national acclaim uh, have become a large part of uh, what he's learned firsthand from financial struggles that he faced uh, going through the 2008 recession. We're definitely going to get into that. Uh, Forced him to carve out a new lane and innovate, which led him to discover a better way to wealth for all of us. So uh, really excited to get into all that. I had Chris's um, partner in crime with, with the Money Multiplier, um, Brent Kessler, on before, um, and, and we just released that episode. So uh, you, guys will, you guys will know that one. Um, but his experience led him to alternative investments, uh, retirement strategies, wealth accumulation. So a lot of things to get into. Um, Chris, you're a wealth of knowledge. You've done a bunch of different things. Uh, you've done you know, really well in the end, uh, but had some big setbacks. And, and that's something that you obviously really learn from. And then, you know, my listeners can really learn from. Uh, so maybe they don't make some of those same mistakes. And, and I love that you're such an educator and you're wanting to do that for people. So, you know, glad to have somebody like you on our show that wants to do that, because that's what we want to do on this podcast anyway. So, Chris, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, Chris, let's jump back. I always like to start with what were you doing before real estate? 
what made you want to get into real estate? Sure. I mean, I, I was a pro snowboarder. So that was like my big oh. goal when I was a kid. I was a pro snowboarder. And at 16, I started a clothing line, which turned into a, a chain of skateboard snowboard shops. So prior to all the, the fancy stuff we're going to get into, that's what I was doing. I was literally living the dream. I was chasing <laughs> my dream of being a pro snowboarder, doing it. Uh, loved every minute of it. I was also uh, you know, doing my retail stores, which uh, only happened. I almost wasn't able to do those because like you said, I grew up in a a family rate. I was raised by my mom and we had no money. And mm. I remember when I was 17, I wanted to start this store called Fat Man Board Shops, P-H-A-T. And it was inspired by my clothing line, Fat Clothing Company. And I, I had to, I had to come up with 70,000 bucks. So my mom put her house on the line. Like literally the only thing she had in the world was this house. It's a two yeah. bed, 700 square foot ranch. And she put it on the line so I could chase my dream. So that's what I was doing prior to real estate as I was chasing this skateboard snowboard dream and just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And was that going pretty well? And then what, what made you go, Hey, this is great or or this isn't great. And I want to get into real estate. Yeah, no, it was, it was going awesome up until the early two thousands when the dot com crash hit, I'd never seen a recession. So when this recession hit, my business started going down very quickly. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I was highly leveraged in business because we had been opening multiple stores and I was using, you know, terms on everything. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, why is our business drying up? Why are we dropping 30%? So just like anyone else that's a go-getter, I just figured, all right, well, I got to go get a job to be able to make, you know, kind of get through this period of time. So I yeah. literally had a best friend who worked at Little Caesars. So I applied at Little Caesars to deliver peaches, true story. And they weren't looking for delivery drivers. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> what am I going to do? I got to still work in my store. I got to do something that I can do both. So I put my resume out and I started getting calls from wall street firms. And I'm like, well, all right, well, I just watched wall street with Michael Douglas. I'm like, that's cool. I want to be a stockbroker. So I ended up taking a job as a financial advisor. And I, I swear, I thought it was just going to be a temporary thing. I went yeah. into that field thinking, I'm just going to do this until I can come back to my dream job of running my shops and snowboarding. And I ended up loving it. So that was like, the you know, early two, 2000s. And I did that all the way through. Uh, I did it for 16 years. And I, I ended up becoming a, a high, high profile financial advisor. I was crushing it all the way up to 2008. Uh, I was making a ton of money. I was one of the top three guys. I'd flipped two houses in the mix because I watched just like so many people. I watched one of the TV shows. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I can flip a house in 23 minutes. So uh, that's how I entered real estate. It was just me and my best friend, the one that worked at Little Caesars. We uh, kind of partnered up and we did this this rickety old house and that was our first flip and we were supposed to make a bunch of money, but we didn't. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of going to be my next question. I mean, yeah, it's a way it's, a, it can be a good way to get started, but and it's oh, yeah. often the way people want to get started. Cause it seems like, Hey, I can grasp buying a house, right. You know, everybody, you know, most people even, you know, you know, you growing up uh, humble, humble means mom still has a house. So, Hey, I'll go and get a house and I'll, and I'll flip that house and I'll sell it to somebody, but that's kind of a, a, a typical path of getting started. It doesn't always work out. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about, yeah, that first experience of flipping a couple of houses. Well, the best day in any flip is demo day. Obviously, you've seen it on the shows. It's the funnest yeah. day. You go with a sledgehammer, you demo the whole house. The worst part of every flipper's experience is the moment after demo day when you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? This place so that, is a mess. Yep. That sums up the first flip. So for <laughs> a year, me and my friend Mike 
struggled through that house, got it done. We pulled every favor. My cousin was doing the roof and the siding. And we just, we had anything we could do. We did. I was maxing out my 401k loans because I just ran out of money. And yeah. it was like every paycheck, I was just putting it into the house, but we ended up getting it done. It was a great feeling. It was my first one. And we ended up selling it. We made a whopping 8,000 bucks, but you know what? I, it gave me the hope that, oh, I could do this. And yeah, then I did yeah. another one in 2017 that went a little better. And in eight, two th- or, I'm sorry, 2007, not 2017, okay. 2008, uh, I was really doing well. I was making a bunch of money and my retail stores, the skateboard snowboard shops are still operating them, but I wasn't, okay. yeah, I wasn't working in the stores. I was, I was doing the mm-hmm. wall street thing, but, um, my lease came due at my main store. And I started thinking, you know, why am I going to pay this guy all this rent? Cause he tried raising my rent. Two buildings down was this dilapidated old paint store. And I remember a for sale sign went out. I'm like, that's my new home. I'm going to buy this place. I'm going to develop it into a three unit strip mall and I'm going to rent out the other two and they're going to pay the mortgage. And I'm just going to like rent. And it sounded good. And uh, as you just heard, I did this in 2008. Anyone, Something happened back then, if I remember right. For anyone that remembers this, that wasn't exactly the right time because timing's everything. And the Great Recession hit me like a Mack truck. And it brought me to my knees that fast. I remember I, I had one more payment left to this hard money lender. That's all the money I had. I had maxed everything else out. And I was like, I got one month left. I can pay this guy. I have to get this plaza done and refinanced in a month. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. So I came home one night. My girlfriend had just moved into my house. And I remember it was late at night. I sat her down. I said, sweetie, I need your help. I need your help paying the mortgage. I need your help paying the utilities. And by the way, my friend Pete's going to move into the bedroom down the hall. And I'm probably going to rent the upstairs bedroom to my friend Jessica. <laughs> I, I mean, when you're, put, when you're put against the wall, you have to make hard decisions. And the hard yeah. decision was... Either she's going to, you know, I'm going to really see her true colors and she's either going to really like me or she's going to walk out the door forever. Well, I think she kind of liked me because we're now married with a, a 10 month old. So, you know, the story. That's awesome. That. Congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. That's how I got through that 2008. It wasn't easy. Like I'm leaving a lot out, but that was a real yeah. hard time. You know, it was a scary time. I'd been through one recession, but I didn't understand it. Like I understood this one because now I'm a high level advisor and I didn't see this coming. And all of a sudden it slapped me and I saw all my clients, you know, losing money. And, but, you know, there was fast forwarding. I remember this was the point where I really realized the power of real estate. And I realized it because I, I saw all those clients that were big real estate investors during this period. And I watched mm-hmm. all clients losing everything, their jobs, their houses, everything. But you know who was still making it and doing really well? The guys who owned real estate, they owned rentals. And I remember watching these guys doing well in a recession. And I'm like, there's something to this real estate thing. So for 2009 to 14, all I did, and and I just want to kind of back up. I was still snowboarding professionally. I still had my retail shops up until 2010 when I sold them. And then I was still a financial advisor. So all the things were the same. And now what I did is I, I dove into real estate and I said, you know what? Warren Buffett says, buy low, sell high, and don't lose money. 2008 taught me that stocks and bonds can take everything from me because I was heavily invested in the market. But real estate was that stable asset where my people weren't losing money. So I started buying real estate and I did it one at a time, one apartment building at a time. 
buy low, sell high, don't lose money was my strategy. And I had a, a formula and I got up to 36 units by 2014. So you would think like, you know, I, I had lost all of it in 2008, but now I was getting back. I, I was you know, doing well as an advisor. I had all these apartment units. I was kind of getting, getting through. And then 2014, that all came to a very harsh stop. And uh, <laughs> we, we kind of talked off. off yeah, line. yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into that, Chris, because that, that hits on another topic that I really want to get into where you're kind of uh, an expert in the area about, about the lending and different things like that. But going back to 2008, I mean, you're making some good points there where, um, you know, you were doing some really good things and, and, and you're, you're making a lot of money. You're making a lot of good moves, you know, the real tail, retail stuff going on. Um, but you ended up getting some hard money, like you said, and, and that can be, I mean, lending is going to be a little bit of an underlying theme here. Cause again, we're, we're going to get into the money multiplier and, and some different things like that, but that hard money puts a lot of pressure on you. It's, it's a high interest rate and you do have to really execute on your plan. And when things come in and you're not able to execute on that plan and that timeline you almost, you can't stretch your timeline too much because that money's really expensive, right? So you, you've got to execute on your plan and something comes up. I mean, 2008 is, is well, some people say it's a, it's a once in a generation and, and maybe we end up having another one, but it, it's a big deal, obviously. You know, you can't necessarily prepare for that every year, but at the same time, like you said, there were people that weren't over leveraged in real estate that did and, and did just fine because if you're not forced to be on a timeline when you have to refinance or when you have to sell, if you don't have to sell and you've got a cash flowing asset, who cares if your price, if the, the value of your property drops, right? If you're not over leveraged. And I mean, you know, even if you just got a loan and, and you get an 80% LTV, you can, the value can drop 20%. It, it, it's okay. You're, you're still there. You're still collecting money, you know, if it's a cash flowing property. So um, yeah, I learned a great lesson there. I mean, You've, you've learned a few as you're going. So, so you get into the right asset class, right? It, it, what I believe and, 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 you know, you believe it too. And, and you saw proof of that. So, um, but yeah, we talked offline that even though you were in the right asset class, doing a lot of the right things, you still ran into some trouble in 2014 because most people would say, man, he started buying in 2009. The market, oh, yeah. you know, the market, you know, he, he timed the market right this time. And because you, you saw it. And I mean, man, kudos to you. There's been so many times where you said, man, like things really went south. But instead of, you know, hey, lost man, no, you know, so many, hey, 2008, what can you say, right? It just, it slapped me upside the, the head and, and I'm, I'm done. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, you, you didn't really just double down, but like you went to work and, and, and you, you, you backed it up. You said, I'm not going to default on this. I'm going to pull together resources. I'm going to make some uncomfortable decisions. I'm going to have people living with me, you know, but because you did that, that's what allowed you to rally out of that. And all, already by 2009, you're back buying. I mean, you get crushed in 2008 and just a year later because you made some really difficult decisions, but the right ones to, to double down. By 2009, you're already buying. So now you're buying apartment buildings. Seems like, man, what a great move for you, Chris. Like you, you came out of 2008, you got roughed up, but already by 2009, you're buying, buying, buying. All the way up to 2014, you're up to 30, 30, you say 36 units. So you're doing all the right things. And, and yet, because I talked to you beforehand, I know that it wasn't, um, you, you weren't on the smooth path yet. So what happened in 2014 um, to, to make that not go so well? Well, you know, a lot of times, you know, in an investor's life, I don't care if it's, you know, me being an advisor or me doing this real estate, you know, ego gets in the way. 
And I started thinking I knew what I didn't know. And I'm just going deeper and deeper into this. And every building I'd buy, I'd, I'd be you know highly leveraged. I was doing bank financing. I wasn't using hard money anymore. That 2008 guy scared me. I, I called sure. him knuckles in a lot of my trainings. He wasn't <laughs> a nice guy. And I knew that if I didn't pay him, I, I might have not just lost the building with you if I can. Yeah. So I was scared yeah. during that. My mom was really scared during that period. So I started just using bank's money. So remember, when you use bank's money, you're going to have to come up with 20 to 25% plus closing costs for every deal. So what I was doing is, again, I was an advisor doing really well. I had sold my, my retail stores, but I, I didn't really make much on them. I sort of climbed out, maybe made 50 grand or something. So I started using that money plus my income as an advisor to keep buying these. And I'd buy one apartment building and they were always depressed because, yeah, you're right. I mean, one thing I did get right is timing. I was buying at the right time because obviously you just got to buy low, but I knew that. So again, that was that ego thing. And as I'm doing this and I'm doing, I'm borrowing or I'm buying all these apartments, how I was doing it, I was rolling the, the money. So I do one property, I'd start stabilizing it using rent roll and, and money I was making. And then I'd get it stabilized and I'd leverage that property to go buy another one and another one. But I didn't understand the math of how banks operate. And I got to my 37th unit. I'll never forget. I took it to Greg at the bank, same bank I'd been working with, the same bank that took me out of that, that, that plaza. So I had a good working relationship with yeah. this small community bank, but I knew that the bank was going through some changes. They were being, I think they got themselves a little bit deep and they were going through a, a merger with a giant commercial, but I didn't know about this. And that 37th deal, I remember them telling me, they looked at all my financials. They looked at all my properties. And he came back with like kind of a look that I never saw. And he says, we can't do this mortgage. And I'm like, why, Greg? What, what's the matter? He says, well, you don't, your debt to income ratio has changed and it doesn't fit the bank's policy. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, you have too much debt for the income you make. I'm like, but I make good money. He's like, you have too much debt and not enough income. I don't know what to tell you. We can't do it. So I, I right there, I couldn't get the 37th unit, but something else started happening. And the bank actually started hinting that they were going to start freezing my lines of credit. Now the lines of credit were so vital because that's the only way I could get these apartment buildings done because I'd buy the apartment building and I'd use this line of credit and I would, I would renovate the units and I would then yeah. start slowly paying that unit. That's how I did it. But the bank did freeze my lines of credit. They froze all the lines. And literally that was just like, I was done. I didn't know it at the time when they did it, but I was done. I got behind in my mortgages. The bank called one of my mortgages. It was game over. I had to sell, wow. I had to sell all 36 units. So imagine that, like you, you're just getting there, right? 2014, right. not there yet, but I'm getting there. I think I'm this big real estate investor. I'm starting to play with some of the bigger guys. I'm making offers on properties with these big, you know, real estate developers and thinking I'm swimming in their pond. Well, I was the minnow, if you will. And <laughs> I, I literally hit the wall and that was it. I had to sell all 36 units. Now, couple other things. Remember, I talked about Larissa, who was the girlfriend back in 2008. She's a fiance. We had bought our dream house. We were living in our dream house. I, you know, I was doing well. So I had the nice cars in the garage. I had all the things and it was everything I did back then. And there's an important takeaway. So I want to talk about failure. And I think one of the main reasons why I failed is more than just making a mistake with the bank, more than just lack of knowledge. I think it was, I was doing things the wrong way serving the wrong person. I was all about me. How much can I make? How big of a house can I have? What, how many Audis can I put in the garage? You know, all those things. And it was me, me, me. 
And I, I look back on this time and I talk about this a lot. And I think one of the reasons why I had to sell all those properties and I literally hit a, a, a new low in my life. That was the lowest point I've ever been at in my life. Me and Larissa split. So many things went bad during this period. And I think it was a cleansing. I truly do. I think I had to learn what it was like to lose everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy. I talk about this in hindsight now. It was easy to talk about it you know, now, but then, honestly, I had bad thoughts. I was some days thinking I can't do anything right. Like, why am I here? You know, you start questioning a, a lot of things. And sure, I think I just had to learn that life isn't about things. It's about not about money. It's not about what you have. And it's about what you do to solve other people's problems. And the only person's problem I ever was really trying to solve was my own sure. selfishly. And I hate to say this, but hey, I can openly say it. And that's why I failed. I, I truly blame it on that. And yeah. in 2014, that failure got so bad that it literally made me open to just about anything. And I remember that anything came in the form of a postcard. And I ended up going to this three-day real estate seminar to, to learn how to flip houses. And I didn't go because I wanted to learn how to flip houses. Remember, I, I thought I knew how to do that. I yeah. went because I had lost everything and they were giving away a free iPod shuffle and I wanted it. So that's why I went to this <laughs> Now the so person, really, some of those gimmicks work for people. It worked on. Listen, it, it got me in that room. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in the back of the room and I was the big advisor and I'm sitting there listening to everybody. I'm like, oh, this is hogwash. Like, you know, watch, look at my, when can I get my, my little thing? I want to, I got to stick around and wait for that. And I remember two guys go up on stage, Greg and Mike. I mean, that's how much I remember them. And Greg is actually now my business partner, just kind of shows you how things work. And they start talking about money. And they, they're talking about things with money that I've never heard before. Now, how is it that I'm a big advisor and I haven't heard about these things? And they keep going with it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like they're doing the complete opposite of every single thing I've been taught to do with money as an advisor. And these guys are the successful guys. These are the guys I read about that in 2009, you know, on when the market crashed, these guys were becoming multimillionaires because they prepared for it. They didn't ride the roller coaster down like I did. These are the guys that saw it coming, prepared for it, and were doing it. And they were doing it different than I'd ever heard. And that's when everything started to change for me. I started accepting. I I took the plunge and I I paid for like mentorships with them. And I started meeting their friends and getting in circles around people that knew things. And I was around multimillionaires and billionaires. And I, I, I was good enough, you know, about money to talk the talk. And I was always asking them, I'm like, what are they doing with money that's different than what I've been taught? And the funniest thing is, is this went on for years. I just want everybody to know this wasn't just like one year. This was years. And I started seeing very distinct, very defined patterns of what the wealthy did with money. And the funniest thing, and and I recognize this more than the other person because I was in the the world. It was the opposite of every single thing I've been taught to do as, as an advisor. And that made me start questioning everything. It made me question why I was an advisor. It made me question what I was doing for my clients. It made me question life. And, and I know that uh, a lot of people, when you listen to this, you know, you've had different things in all of your lives. Some of you have had these failures like I have. But until you start to really peel the onion and start opening your eyes and taking the rosy colored glasses off, sometimes you miss the most important lessons that we're supposed to learn. And that's what I was learning during this period. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting, Chris. And I, I definitely want to dig into like, like, what was it? You know, what, what were these guys doing? What, what's some of this stuff that's so different? Um, but 
I don't want to miss, you know, what you uncovered there. And I appreciate you being so open and, and sharing with us where you were at because, you know, people go through things like that. And, and I mean, I, I know because talking to you before, I know that you're a man of faith and, and I truly think like, you know, what you were saying, I, I really believe that man, when, when God wants to get our attention, sometimes it's hard to do that when everything's going really well. And, you know, God wants a relationship with us. He wants to speak to us. He, he, he wants us to follow him. And, when, when, when Chris Noggle's crushing it and, and everything you do seems to turn to gold and, it, you know, you, you're your own hero and it's all about you, it's hard for anybody to speak to you, you know, even the God of the universe. But, you know, suddenly you're brought low and now you're ready to listen because suddenly, you know, you realize, hey, Chris Noggle's not, maybe not so sweet. Maybe, maybe I'm not, you know, I just lost everything. I, I thought I was, was enough for myself. I thought I knew it all. Right. I, th- I thought I was this, this stud and, and sometimes God has to bring us down to, to really teach us. Oh, absolutely. Like really yeah. Yeah. So uh, blessing in disguise. I mean, obviously for you and, and you were, you were laid bare and you were ready. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm open, man. Now I'm ready to, I'm ready to learn because I, I don't know it all. I mean, there was still a hint of that in you. Um, it, it's a process. Like you said, I mean, Hey guys, this took years, you know, cause you go to a flipping conference. Hey, I already know everything I need to know about flipping, right? Like I already, I already know all this. I'm just here to get a, get a sweet little toy or whatever, you know? Um, but uh, man, good for you for, for still going out there and good for you for being willing to be refined. I mean, we all need that to some degree or another. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, I mean, the Bible talks so much about money and money is not the root of all evil. Like some people want to say the, wow. the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and so some of us, I mean, I, I can fall into that. Sounds like, you know, you had fallen into that, but you, you started, you know, you were being refined. You were willing to be refined. Like, okay, I can still go after this. I can still be very successful, but I'm going to do it in a very different way. Cause I'm going to start thinking about other people. I'm going to start having an outward focus, which is what Jesus calls us to. I'm going to start loving God and loving others and not just loving Chris and, and, and me, not just loving Lee. Uh, so, so that's awesome. I, I didn't want to skip that point, Chris. And I know you laying that out there for us. It's so weird that you just brought that up because literally like, you know, I do a lot of these hundreds of podcasts. And my next line where I was going to go is exactly that. Like money, so many people are brought up to not want to talk about money. Money's evil. Money is, you know, is bad. That's just, I don't know why that's what we're taught, but mm-hmm. you know, the love of money is bad. And I, I love that you brought that up because that's what I had. I had a love of money. And that's, I think why a lot of these failures had to happen for me because I had to change my inward direction of how I viewed money. Because as an advisor, and no disrespect to any advisors, but I'd lived that life for 16 years until 2018 when I retired and sold my practice, that industry teaches you to love money, okay? And it's dangerous. And what money is to me today is very different than what it used to be. Money is nothing more than a tool that I use very effectively to help other people solve their problems. And, you know, my biggest success, and, and, you know, like, I, I don't want to kind of talk too much about it, but I've had a tremendous amount of success in the last six years. Tremendous amount. I mean, a TV show on HGTV for me and my wife. I mean, we've, we've owned, you know, and flipped hundreds of houses. We've owned rental portfolios, you know, of 90 plus units. So like I've had tremendous success, but my success came when I stopped focusing on loving money and I start focus. I started my focus on how can I use money to solve other people's problems. In other words, like when I buy a piece of real estate, I didn't focus on like all the money I'd make. I focused on like the person I'm buying this from, they're going through some hard times. How do I solve their problem? Then you know, the, the person I'm selling it to, how do I solve their problem? It was always just to me, I made it my, my focus to always focus on like the person's problem and how can I solve it? And money was just always a tool that I used. 
Just like if you're going to go out in your backyard and put a garden in, well, you're going to need a, you know, a rake, you're going to need a shovel. They just, those are just tools. Money's no different. You yeah. just got to learn how to use it and how to view it. It's all mindset. It's all it is. Yep. Absolutely. So it's all mindset. Yeah. Point that out because that's oh, yeah, everything that. changed for me is when I started focusing on solving other people's problems. And yep. once I did that money, literally like a magnet attracted itself to me. And I don't say that, you know, I was the smartest guy. I don't think I've done all the right things, but when I do that, when I focus all my heart, my soul on solving other people's problems, I make a significant amount of money. And you know what I try to do when I get all that money, I don't hoard it. I don't go buy new fancy things. I'm going to have nice things, but I focus on like, how do I retire my mother? How can I get my mom? So she's not cleaning people's houses. How do we help Larissa's mom? How do I help my staff make more money to get the things they want? That's what I focus on. Money to me is just like, I get it. And then it's like, I don't want it. I, I got to find a place for that money to go so I can move it. And a lot of times it's just focused on other people's problems. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Chris. I can't say it any better than that. I, again, I appreciate you sharing your experience because I, I think a lot of people need to hear that. Um, yeah, absolutely. It is the love of money. And, and again, the Bible talks about it a lot because it can be, I think Jesus felt like it was going to be one of his biggest competitors. And I think today it is, it, it really competes for our, for our desire and for our energy and for, you know, passion that flows toward, yeah, trying to make more money for, for, for the sake of ourselves. And like I said, I mean, I think that another thing, Another point, it sounds like, Chris, that you've experienced this is when, when, it, when it's not just about the money, when it's about other people, if things don't go well, you can still have a success. You know, if you don't make a bunch of money, it's like, yeah, but I, I solved a problem for somebody. I put somebody in a new house. And now all of a sudden, it's not so devastating. You can kind of roll with that. So even when things don't go well, I think it, it, it's so much better for you. But yeah, a lot of times I, I believe that you're right, Chris. When you, when you solve problems for people, it tends to, to bring money your way because People want to work with people that solve problems and people want to give money to people that are going to solve their problems. So I, I think yep. all that, that works itself out. But um, let, let's jump in a little bit, Chris, when um, what, what you said about, you said it was Greg and Mike that, that, yep. uh, that were up there right. on stage. So uh, you kind of, you kind of teased us into it. So tell us a little bit about whatever, kind of how you want to go. I mean, um, I, I know you're, you're with the money multiplier. We'll, we'll link that. Um, you guys, if, if you haven't heard um, Brent, you know, you can go back and listen to the, the uh, podcast episode I did with him, but start telling us a little bit of Chris about how these guys are, are how they think differently about money. What, what's so different? What were sure. they doing better? So, you know, as I started getting around all these, these different high net worth individuals, I started just seeing these patterns of what they were doing. And the most obvious thing came down to a control thing. All of these people have figured out how to be in control at all times of their money. I remember Greg being in the front of that room. He said one thing. He said, the ultimate in real estate is being the bank. Yeah. I'll never forget that line. He set it up there and I didn't understand it. But man, did it really pique my interest. And I'm like, okay, so all I need to do, and this is how I interpreted it. This is in 14 when he said this. Here's how I viewed it. I said, okay, so I got to flip a whole bunch of houses, make millions of dollars, and then I can be the bank like Greg and I can, I can make lots of money doing that. I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong because I thought I had to have millions of dollars to be the bank when in turn, what he was doing was something totally different. He was using self-directed IRAs. So that's one thing. So I was always taught to sell IRAs and Ross and 401ks. Well, Greg was talking about it, but he was talking about it in a sense of self-directing his IRAs. And I didn't understand that at the time. I'd never even heard about it. As an advisor, we were forbidden to sell or talk about that. You know why? Because we couldn't make any money for the broker. Yeah, sure. Yep. Can't get paid on. So that would have been considered selling away. So we were always like, oh, those are bad. Oh, real estate's bad. Why? Because we couldn't sell it. 
He was yeah. talking about it. But then the big thing that came down to is I'll never forget. I was in Salt Lake City and I was meeting with Mike, the, the gentleman from that. And we were at Cheesecake Factory right downtown Salt Lake. And he's telling me because he was lending me a lot of money and I was telling him about a deal. And he's telling me about how he's lending. And, you know, I'm, I'm asking myself, so how are you lending all this money to me? Is it just all self-directed? He's like, no, it's my private bank. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. What is it? <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Like, because this is before I had started really hearing all this. So I, I'm taking uh-huh. it back. And he starts talking about this thing. And, you know, he's explaining what it does. It's tax-free. It's got guaranteed growth. I can take money and, and lend it out and still get paid interest on the money. And I'm always making compound interest. And he's explaining it. And literally, like, I'm almost like doing this to my mic right now. I'm leaning into it. This is what I was like listening to. And I'm, I'm like a little puppy dog. Like, tell me more, Mike. Tell me more. And then I said, well, what is this? And he says, it's whole life insurance. I, I quickly sit back. I'm like, yeah. Mike, listen, I'm the advisor here. Whole life doesn't work that way. He's like, Chris, if whole life doesn't work that way, then how have I been doing it all these years and lending you money? And I sit back and I'm like, you got a point there, Mike. So, yeah, it's hard to argue that one. <laughs> yeah, how do I learn this? And he's, I said, teach me. Like, tell me. He's like, I can't. He's like, this guy Brent taught me what I know. So I'm like, all right, connect me with this guy Brent. Like, come on, let's get going. I don't have any time. So he connects me with Brent. And I'll never forget. I call Brent so excited. You know, I'm the advisor. I'm like, Brent, I just met with Mike. He's telling me about privatized banking and this infinite banking concept. This is fantastic. I've never heard about this. I've been an advisor for 14 years up to this point, And I've never heard about this. It's like, I'm just puking all over Brent on this. And he's like, he's like, great. Well, all I need you to do is watch a 90 minute video. And when you watch that video, after you're done, we'll set up a call. I'm like, no, 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 Brent, I don't need, I don't have 90 minutes. I, I know what this is. Like, come on, let's go. And he's like, watch the video and then we can talk. And I'm like, man. So he sends the video over. I'll never forget it. It's Sunday. I get a big cup of coffee thinking this is going to be awful. Set it down, start playing the video. 90 minutes went by like 15 minutes. None of my coffee was drank except for the first sip. And I had four pages complete front to back of notes. And I had found the secret. And that secret wasn't whole life insurance. I want to be very clear. And you guys already did Brent. It's not the whole life. Okay. Cause these are not normal whole life policies. They're very different, especially designed and engineered to work for banking, but it was the process of what they did, what Mike did, what Greg did, what, what Brent did and what all these other multimillionaires and billionaires do. Trust me, they all do this. It's the process of how they move their money that I was int- intrigued by because yeah. they, just do what I'd always been taught to do. Put my money in a 401k, park my money in mutual funds, put my money in this investment and just leave it and give up control of it. Keyword, everything you and me and everybody else has been taught our whole lives is to give up control. Almost like we can't be a good steward of our money because we're smart enough because we don't have the education because we don't have the licenses. Okay. That's what we've been taught. And because of that, we park our money in banks where the banks make 400 to 1300% more than we do. We put our money in 401ks, which makes no bloody sense. But we do this because we've been taught to do things with money we would never, ever do with things that money buys. This is just our mental conditioning. And now I started seeing the other side that it was all about mimicking the banks. Do what the banks do with your own money. Become the bank and do identical, do the exact same thing that the bank does every day with your own money and stop giving up control. Stop putting your money places where you can't access it because your dollars, like I'm holding a $100 bill in my hand, right? This $100 bill is worth the most today. It will never be worth more than it is right now. But yet, what am I taught to do? Oh, let's take this $100. Let's put it over here and just leave it sit there. 
because I, right. I should have that hundred dollars. Let's just leave it sit there. And that dollar, that hundred dollars becomes worth less and less every single day. Our government is promising you that it's going to become one hundred. This hundred dollars becomes worth half of what it's worth today because of inflation. But see, people think inflation is, oh no, milk just got more expensive. Oh no, my, my fuel just got more expensive. That plywood that's now $96 a sheep, it just got more expensive. Yeah. No, you're wrong. Your dollars became weaker. And because yep. you've been taught to do nothing but give up your dollars every single day of every single you know, month of your life, you've been taught to give them up. Of course, you're gonna have less money. Of course, it's hard to build wealth. Of course, it's hard for you to get ahead. But the wealthy know something different. The wealthy know that the most important thing is being in control of your money and moving your money. Because no matter what happens, if you learn how to move your money, the way that Brent teaches, the way that we teach, your money will always beat inflation. Your money will always grow and you will not have to work any harder. You will not have to work any longer and you won't have to take any any additional risk. All you do is mimic the bank. That's it. And I know that's over a lot of people's heads and Brent kind of covered a lot of this. So I don't want to go too deep into the rabbit hole, but the most important thing everybody can learn is what uninterrupted compound interest is and how to put it on your side, how to make it work for you, but how to make it work for you while still being in control of your money. That's the tricky part because everything yeah. to make a, to make compound interest, I just put my money somewhere and I leave it sit. You are losing every second of Every moment you do that, the money has to move. It has to move and earn interest the entire time. Every wealthy multimillionaire and billionaire understands this. Every bank understands this. And that is why banks and companies, large corporations and the wealthy all use privatized banking. They all put their money. Banks are the number one purchasers of whole life in the country. Why? Are they stupid or do they know something we don't know? They're smarter than us because they've been through this. And the funniest thing is, is I just did a video on this. Why is it that if you walk into the bank and you go to the teller or the the broker at the bank and you say to them, Hey, I want to put my money. I want to, I got all this money and I want to put my money where you, the bank put your money. Can you, can you do that? No, they don't. (laughs) Yeah. They, they, They won't tell you, they can't sell what they do with their money. They can't have you do what they do that. Oh God, no. Do you know why? Can't make any money at it. And you know why a lot of you like listening to this right now, the reason why you've never heard of this, the reason why you've never been exposed to this, it's simple. No one could make money off of you. If you follow the dollar, you'll understand why you're told to do the things you are. Why are you told to put money in mutual funds, 401k stocks, you know, all the things that you are, term life insurance. Why? Somebody's making a lot of money on you. That's why. You've been on that side of things. I have because I did that for 16 years. And I'm, and you know, sometimes when I say that I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not ashamed because I couldn't get where I am today unless I saw that side. And when I retired in 2018, it wasn't because of what I've learned, although that was a big piece of it. It was because me and my wife got an offer to have a TV show on HG. And my broker said, Hey, you're either going to be an advisor or a TV show star. I said, goodbye. And I sold my <laughs> yeah. And at that time, I literally took the rosy colored glasses off and I left them on my desk when I left the financial world. And I would never, ever, I didn't know it at that moment, but I, I know it now. I will never go back ever. Yeah, I will yeah. never go back to what I call the big lie. And that's what it is. Sorry. I went yeah. long. And I'm so passionate about explaining that. No, it's obvious, Chris. And, and I, I totally get it. And, and I, I compare it to, I mean, I, I'm still learning, you know, I want to have you guys on cause I'm still learning about this concept. I've heard, 
it's kind of that same thing of like, I, I've heard some really smart guys talk about it. Some guys that I really respect, some guys in the real estate space that have, hey, you want to supercharge your real estate? You want to kind of go next level with it? And, I, and the, the idea that you said, hey, the, the end goal is that you want to be the bank. I've heard so many guys that I respect, guys and girls that I respect say that. So I'm kind of moving down this path, but I totally get your passion and your the way like once you saw this, you're like, dude, I need to know more and I need to tell more people about it. Because that's how I feel about real estate. And I think it's so similar in that so many people have no idea what investment real estate can do for you. They they don't know anybody that owns an apartment building, right? They don't know anybody that's, that owns even a duplex. I mean, you know, how many people do? So my wife and I, like when, when I got turned on to this, she's like, I, this seems crazy. Like if it was so good, right? You, How many times have you heard this line? If it was so great, why don't we know anybody that's doing this? Right. I mean, that's with real estate. And I'm like, it's a good question. I don't know, but like, I'm telling you, it is legit. Like this, this is a no brainer. Let's get into real estate. And, you know, and, and we've been in it, you know, four and a half years or whatever. And I've learned so much more about it. And now I'm passionate. I'm, I'm just as passionate as you, Chris, telling about uh, real estate. Cause it, it is this thing. It's the thing, just like you were saying, wealthy people do real estate. Wealthy people own real estate. I mean, we all got a great you know, picture of it, whether you like the guy or not. Donald Trump, like he owns all this real estate. This guy's made his billions. He doesn't pay any taxes. Like that's not fair. How does he do that? Guess what? You can too. You he can knows something you don't know. It's available exactly, to all of us. Exactly. Exactly. Is it just, is he really cheating? Come on guys. No, like, not at is all. Is it really that? Or does he know something? Does it, and he's not doing, I mean, there's so many wealthy people. So I totally get where you're at, Chris, because I'm there with real estate. And, and, and I, and I feel like what you're doing is kind of like another level to it. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, you talk about moving the money and, and one thing I love about apartment kind of what I, what I sell people on apartment syndication is, Hey, totally, you should be building up a nest egg. That that's, that's a thing, right? Like build up some money for retirement. Absolutely. That's what a 401k does hopefully. But the thing a 401k doesn't do is it doesn't pay you today. It doesn't do anything for you today. Like you said, you're told, put that hundred dollars away. Don't think about it. Hey, when you're 65, hopefully there's a couple million of those dollars sitting over there. And maybe that can last you for your last 15 to 20 years. It doesn't pay you anything. Now, when you get into real estate, you can have both. You can build wealth through real estate, but it also is paying you now. It's paying you passive income now. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about is you put your money in this policy, but you're not letting it sit there. Like you said, you're moving that money. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my money in this policy. It is going to grow. And like I said, and it's a, it's a guaranteed growth and it may not be this, Hey, it may not be your mutual fund advisor promising you 15% that, Oh yeah, but don't look at some of these years where we actually had a negative return, but this year we're going to have a 15% return, but it's a solid return and it's guaranteed, like you said. So you're doing that. You are building wealth, but guess what? You also get to use that money today. And I think to me, that's the next level thing because that's what I preach about real estate is it, guys, you can have it today too. Put your money to work for you today. And that's what I'm really grabbing onto of what you guys are, are talking about with this whole life insurance, the infinite banking bureau make. You get to use it now. And like I said, that's what the wealthy are doing. They're stocking it away. Yes, they want to have something you know, for tomorrow. They want to have something for retirement, but they're also using it today. And that's, I mean, I, I'm just echoing you're what getting you're me. You're getting me so fired up because like everything you're saying is exactly the truth. And let's go back to like, remember my hard times because things weren't always what they are today. So in those hard times, I was buried in debt. Going around, meeting all those multimillionaires, those events, being in Salt Lake City, it all cost money. And you know what? I used credit cards and I dug a deep hole. And I used my banking policies, these specially designed and engineered whole life policies. I was saving money. And then a lot of people like, oh, that privatized banking thing, that's just for the wealthy. I can't do that. I don't have enough money. Listen, folks, 
you all can do it. I did it. My first policy I started was very small. It was like 200 and some dollars a month. Now today I put probably well over in the six digits through my banking policies, but it was an evolution. So don't ever think that, oh, I I can't do this. That's your mindset. That's just because you've been pre-programmed and preconditioned to believe you can't because somebody else should do that for you. Wrong. Tell everybody else that they don't care as much about your money as you do. And that's the truth. You care more about your money than anyone else ever will. So start taking control of it. So when I did this evolution, I, I climbed out of debt using the infinite banking concept. And then once I was pretty much out of debt, I said, okay, well, now what do I do? Well, me and my wife were flipping houses. So then what I would do is I would go in. I And remember, with this privatized bank, I'm continuously, every month, I'm saving money there. I stopped putting money in 401ks. I stopped putting money in my IRAs. I took all the money that I used to save in other places like Wall Street, and I was now putting it through my banking policy. And a lot of people are like, oh, I wouldn't want to stop that. Well, great. How about you change one thing? Just change where the money goes first. That's all I'm talking about. I didn't say stop investing. I put the money into this banking policy first. Then I immediately took this money out and I started using it to put deposits down in real estate for the escrow deposits. I was using it for rehab. I was using it for the down payments. And remember, every single time I put money into this plan, especially designed whole life, when I take that money out, I'm not taking my money. I'm using the insurance company's money. They're advancing me part of my death benefit and I'm getting to use their money while my money continues to earn uninterrupted compound interest at a rate of 4% plus dividends. So remember, my money never stopped working for me. I'm in full control of it, but I'm holding the money in my hand. Again, for those of you listening, I'm holding like a stack of fake $100 bills. These aren't real. I I was hoping those were fake when you tore them. Yeah, I wouldn't have ripped the one up, but you know, I got these hundreds and now I've got these. So what do I got to do? Remember I said earlier, you got to move the money. Now I know my money's already earning interest. So now how do I make these marching dollars, these dollars I'm holding my hand, I got to make them earn something. I got to make them go to work. That's what we're not taught to do. We are taught to go out, get a job, work hard, make a living and be happy and don't ask questions. You've never been taught how to make your money work so that you don't have to work harder because your money can work as hard as you want it to. And it will never complain. It will actually love it. It'd be like, you know, if you had like, you know, a dog. And every time, you know, you were around the dog and you threw the ball, it just wanted to chase the ball. As many times you could throw the ball, the dog was happier and happier. Even when it was exhausted, your money's just like that dog. It just wants to go chase the ball. What is the ball? For me, it was real estate. I took this money that I would take from my policy and I would just keep buying real estate. And then I'd flip the house. I'd put the money back into the policy. But see, here's one thing I did. I never, ever treated my money any different than I would the bank. You see, if I wasn't using my bank, the specially designed whole life, and I was using M&T Bank or Key Bank, two local banks here, if I was using their money, they'd charge me interest. So what I would do is I would take the loan from my policy. I would lend it to my LLC, my company that was buying the real estate, and I would charge my company the, the exact same interest rate that the bank would charge me, 6%. So when I'd sell the flip... I'd literally tell the attorney at closing, I'd say, okay, there's a loan, a private loan to my bank for $30,000. Plus there's accrued interest of 6% for that seven months we were doing this flip. And he would, in the closing statement, write me a check and I'd put it right back into my bank. Then I'd go do it again and again and again and again. And I kept doing this. And obviously I wasn't using all my own money in this journey. I was borrowing money from private lenders. I was using my self-directed IRA from my old 401k. I was using several vehicles, but my private bank was where all my money, I was trying to, as quick as I could get all my money through that 
because I wanted to earn uninterrupted compound interest. Um, Chris, one thing I want to, I would kind of want to transition a little bit because um, you've given us a good insight and, and been so open with us about uh, some of the struggles you've gone through um, and, and how it even led to, to you and your finance, uh, fiance uh, splitting up at one point and, and when you were, you know, very self-focused and got in some really hard times. Obviously, you've totally turned that around, um, you know, married that same girl and now starting a family. Uh, so, so love the success story. I love to dig down a little bit. And, and just, um, I always like to say, Hey, like for, for, um, those that are getting started, maybe those that are, are, are dangerously close to the position that you were in back then, what's some advice for them, um, as far as investing, whether it's real estate or we're talking about infinite banking, but just maybe just thinking about money and thinking about investing, what are some keys to make sure that, um, you keep your priorities straight, that, that it, that it's about your, your wife and your kids, your faith, you know, following Christ first, um, yeah, just kind of speak into that a little bit, some of the things that you've learned. Sure. Easy. So the biggest thing I learned and the biggest thing, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I would say one thing. I would say give more. Now, that wouldn't make sense to my younger self. That wasn't in that mindset. But that's the one thing I could tell all of you. Stop waiting for something to happen in your life to start giving. And when I say give, I don't mean like go reach in your pocket and give you know money to people. That Maybe that is the answer. But giving... It could be, you know, one thing, I, here's how I give back right now. One, I give back a lot of ways, but one of the main ways I do it is I feel that laughter is a very powerful thing. So I spend a lot of money every single month creating videos that do nothing more than make people laugh. So go out there, find somebody that's down on their luck and make them laugh. That's giving. There you go. Yeah. Help somebody get the groceries if they can't. You guys all know how to give. It doesn't have to be a monetary thing. Give, give, give. And I'll tell you what will happen. This is a universal law. Read the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in, uh, you know, so many books. I, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to start rattling off books, but it's in so many books. If you just focus everything you do on giving, but let's put it into a different context on helping other people solve a problem. If you focus everything you did on that one common thing, I will promise you, I will guarantee you something right here and right now you will be wildly successful beyond your wildest dreams. I don't know why. I can't give you the answers. Maybe you should look to God and, and ask in the morning every day, like I do. I get down on my sure. knees, pray, and I, I thank God for the day. But really, if you just focus everything you have on that, and it's very hard because life doesn't teach us that, then you will succeed no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Because yeah, it has to happen. Yeah. It's not natural. We're, we're not, we're naturally just inwardly focused. I think we, you know, we're, there, there was a fall and I think we're just born selfish. I mean, you can see in your kids, it, it just, it's natural. It's easy for us. It, it is. is harder to be outwardly focused, but absolutely. It's so much more rewarding. Uh, when, when you here's, focus that way. here's another huge piece of advice while we're on this topic. And it's, it's a quote from Will Rogers. And I don't know if Brent said this, but me and Brent say it equally as much. And Will Rogers said this, he said, the biggest problem in America is not what people don't know. The biggest problem in America is what people think they know that just eat. So look at your group of people that you surround your time with. Are they bringing you up? Are they pushing you forward? Are they rah-rahing you to go chase your dreams and do the things? Or are they like my old friends? Why are you doing that? That's a scam. That's never going to work. You're going to lose it all. That can never happen. You know, just why can't you just be happy? If that's what your friends are like, like my old friends, but not just friends, family. Mm -hmm. I put my family in timeout, folks. You know how hard that is? <laughs> now, how hard is it to put your best friend and your family members in timeout because they're not supporting your dreams? And I'll tell you what will happen. When you get that negative aspect out of your life, when you get around a campfire, 
It's just what I call it. When you get around the right group of people that are positive, that are doing the things you want to do, your life changes quickly. It's a mindset. It's just like, you know, when you, when you get a yellow car and you're like, oh, I love yellow cars. Now all of a sudden, all you see are yellow cars. It's your focus, folks. If you're focused on the negative and the what ifs and the, you know, the negatives and the, the, the sure. fear, that's all you're ever going to know. But if you focus on endless possibilities of what we're all here to be able to get, we can have anything we want. When you focus on it and you dream it, you believe it, you can achieve it. You've heard that yeah. one before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And that's why, you know, getting part of a, I mean, people will say, you know, get joining a mastermind, going to a, going to a meetup, going to these events, like you get around this energy and suddenly you're around people that go, no, 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 this is, you know, hey, real estate is legit. Hey, I, I've done it. Hey, I, you get around those people, you go, oh, okay, well, man, everybody in my family, but man, now I'm around some thousands of people that say it is true. And like, they've actually done it. My family's never tried it. You know, so they've been saying it doesn't work, but they've actually never tried it. These people, they're saying it works and they've actually done it, right? Like you get around those. I love it. Yeah, that's why that's why it's so powerful. Such, such good advice there, Chris. Um, and, and thanks for that. You, you've mentioned a couple, but um, what would be a good book recommendation, Chris? Um, maybe it's maybe it's mindset wise. Maybe, maybe it's this, this infinite yeah. banking concept. What, what, what's a good book recommendation? Uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon. Okay. Yeah. I, I sorry, I could I could say our book, Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery, or my yeah, book, and I'll, I'll that guy, yeah. but no, no, no. Listen, the book you all need to read if you haven't read it yet is Think and Grow Rich. And you okay. should read it twice. And, and after you're done reading it too, read it three times. That book <laughs> is the most powerful book you'll ever read. And it has nothing to do with anything you think it has to do with. And I'll, I'll put a link to that, but I'll put a link to your two books too, Chris. I already knew about the first one. I didn't know about that other one. So um, I'll, I'll look into that and, and put those links in. Um, yeah, well, why don't you, um, as we wrap up here, uh, tell, tell people how they can reach out to you, Chris, how they can learn more about you, how they can kind of follow in your footsteps, um, you know, all, all those things, uh, the Money Multiplier website, but then your own. Um, sure. Tell us where people can reach out to you. Yeah, I, I truly believe that you give your best stuff away for free. So if all of you want my books, you want my trainings, everything is free. Just go to my website, chrisnoggle.com. And, you know, another great source is subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's at okay. the Chris Noggle. I have so many good videos. They spend $5,000 plus a month making production quality videos to teach people how to take back control of their money. And it's free, folks. And I do it to give my best stuff away for free. So you all should take advantage, subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out my website. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll definitely do that, Chris. That's awesome. Thanks for providing such good value. And putting your, you know, putting your money where your mouth is and providing that for other people. And that, that's awesome. Um, hey, I always like to ask at the end, um, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Maybe, maybe you and your family and your company, what, what could we be praying about? Oh my God, just pray that I'm able to help more people. That's what I want you to pray for. Just pray, please let that guy, Chris Noggle, go out there and help more people take back control of their lives and their finances. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, hey, we gladly pray for that with you, Chris. And I hope that those prayers are answered. And it sounds like they have been. I have no doubt that they'll continue to be. So uh, again, Chris, thanks so much for, for the value that you've added. Um, I, I, I truly believe in, in this concept. Um, you know, again, I, I just challenge people if it's, if it's not real, how are people doing it? Um, and and, and it's, it's, it's not gimmicky. I mean, you're, you're using your own money. It makes sense. Yeah, just I, I would challenge people just to read more about it, learn more about it before you write it off. Because again, for me, real estate sounded like that. And, and now that I'm into it, I'm just so passionate about telling more people about it because it, it's, it really is that good. Um, and, and the wealthy really are doing it. And I believe the same thing about the infinite banking. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for turning us on to, to this and um, you know, kind of letting us uh, have, have the red pill to, to understand this and, and uncover it for us. Um, yeah, and I hope people reach out to you, Chris, because you guys uh, put out a ton of great content. 
Awesome. Thank you. It was uh, a real honor to be on the show. Thank you. Yeah, take care, Chris. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.